it's a really beautiful night tonight. It's a perfect night for horseback riding. I was going with a guy who had horses once. Oh, yeah? Mm. I had a couple of horses myself. Really? Mm. I used them for hunting. I do a lot of hunting, you know. Hmm. Yeah, deer mostly. Got a couple of bear last year. Yeah, those were good ponies. I had to train them special myself. Took a lot of time. Yeah, do you still have them? We can go for a ride. No, no, I, I had to sell them to get these wheels and a Jeep. Um, I got a Jeep pickup with four-wheel drive, and it's got a gun rack on it, and I use that for hunting. Mostly. Why do you kill little animals? I think that's terrible. Oh, well, yeah. I figured with bears, though, it's me or them. John Jacob Jingle Schmidt. that's my name, too. I just like to do that to... Get Good. Voice right. All right and on. welcome back to the Ways of Cinema, where we talk about the movies that we have seen on our New Year's lists, which involves movies that I have seen that Andrew has not, and movies that Andrew has seen and I have not. And we swap them and we watch them. Guess who has the tougher time coming up with their list? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, but the movies I'm you give, to... I, I think the movies you give me are pretty interesting, though. Yeah, I know. Uh, so. <laughs> Let's, but you're it's up my first, turn. Andrew. I'm up first. Uh, so the movie I'm going to talk about is one... Uh... Alright, I'm just going to say. It's American Graffiti, directed by George Lucas. Yes, the time, that one time uh, that George Lucas uh, decided, hey, why don't I make a movie that involves human characters on Earth? Right. Well, in our time, sort of. Or in the, in the, in the immediate past, sort of. So, it's, uh, <laughs> this movie stars Ron Howard... Uh, a very young Richard Dreyfus. They're both pretty young. Yeah, Harrison Ford has a has a small role in it. He, I'm going to talk about him in a little bit. All right, and uh, a bunch also, of other people. Also, not... Charles Martin Smith, who you might remember from The Untouchables. Oh yeah, he was the glasses guy, right? He's the guy who, yeah, he he looks like he's aged pretty much perfectly from one movie to the next. Right, and Suzanne Somers in a small role that we'll talk about a little bit later. And Kathleen Quinlan in another small role. Right. Which, uh, she just pops up for, like, a scene. So, uh, but what this basically is, is uh, it takes place in a small California town. Uh, Ron Howard and Richard Dreyfus they're going off to college. They don't want to stay in the small town anymore. Richard Dreyfus is having second thoughts. Yeah, he's... Ron he's Howard's not wants, sure. just wants to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I'm just going to call them Ron Howard and Richard Dreyfus for the rest of the time, because <laughs> I don't remember their names from the movie. I believe that, well, Richard Dreyfus's name is Kurt, and... I'm blanking on Ron Howard's name. See, he's he's just Ron Howard. Just call him Opie. He's a little Opie Cunningham. Right. <laughs> uh, so, um, so what? The, yeah, you what follow it does these is, characters. This is the this, it's a, it's the all these characters, all friends, going through one night. Also, uh, Paul Lamatt plays Milner. He's the one who's probably in the car the most. Right. Um, yeah. He's yeah. So anyway. You're following them over the course of just one night. This is basically the prototype, I think, for this kind of movie. There are two movies this reminds me of. Which, okay. if you haven't seen American Graffiti, this might help you get a little bit of a handle on it. Okay. One of them is, you know, a movie we've both seen. Uh, like, especially the part with the car reminds me a lot of, uh, of uh, After Hours. Um... Hmm. There's the one character with the glasses who just he gets Ron Howard's car. Ron Howard's going away, and, he's, and he gets uh, and he says, "Okay, you can hold, you can have my car." And so it's basically about him trying to get laid. 
Yeah, and, Charles Martin Smith. Character. And all and all the crazy stuff that happens to him. Uh, you know, he tries to get liquor, and he finally gets liquor from the guy who's holding up the liquor store. Yes. And he drives <laughs> he, out into the woods with this woman, and while they're having sex, the car gets stolen. But the great, <laughs> the, what's the great thing, and Roger Ebert pointed this out, the way that he knows his car is stolen is not because he sees the car and it's not there. He doesn't hear the radio. And the radio is... Always omnipresent. Yeah, Wolfman Jack is the uh, the DJ, and playing he's, basically himself. Yeah, pl- well, playing himself, and uh, and I guess you could say he's almost like the maybe he's meant to be kind of like the Wizard of Oz of the movie, in a way. Because by the end, Richard Dreyfus goes to the radio station. Wolfman Jack's like, I'm not him. You yeah, know, he's on these tapes, or he's Wink. like, or he's like Yoda. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, hey, Lucas, might as well. But you know what's but what's great is wars that, not uh, make one great. Wars not make one great. <laughs> but, um, uh, and, th- and, but he's always present on the radio. Yeah, the radio and, is another character in this movie. It's always commenting on. It's sometimes commenting on the action. Yeah, all, all these different songs. And when you watch the credits, the credits for the music is longer than the acting yes. credits, <laughs> and yeah. it's because it's great music. I have the I have the American Graffiti soundtrack on vinyl. So did you wait? Did you have the soundtrack before you saw the movie? Yeah, but oh, I knew okay. all those songs because they're all 50s they're all and American 60s classics. classics. Yeah, you have uh, yeah. Of course, it starts off with Rock, Rock Around the Clock, and uh, and you have Johnny Be Good pops up. Um, the Beach Boys, which I mentioned in our last podcast. Yeah. Um, I love the moment when Charles Martin Smith's trying to, you know, get the car. You know, he's trying to jigger it and. These two guys come up behind yeah, him, the and you hear come up behind no, him. but you hear the radio say "Hello, baby," yeah, <laughs> <laughs> from the Big Bopper. Yeah, um, but the other movie this reminds me of because they share the same theme is Clerks. Yeah, because they do have a similar structure. It takes place over the course of a day, uh-huh. and it's about young men trying to figure out their lives. Yeah. Right, because Ron Howard, he his big problem is he wants to go to college. He's already, but he has a girlfriend, yes. and he starts out by saying, "You know, I think it's okay if we see other people." No, <laughs> yeah, but no, what, like he does though is he, he he makes things really awkward in like this one scene because he says hey, it would be okay if we see other people because it will strengthen our relationship. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really work that way. Yeah, <laughs> and like they kind of spend the rest of the movie like. Snu- you know, fighting with each other because Ron Howard is kind of the jerk of these four guys. Really, I mean, he's not a terrible person, but no, he's kind. Yeah. Of, but he's a young guy who doesn't know what he wants in relationships. No, but and, and the thing is, he he's he's wanted to get out of town because he he realizes basically there's no future for him in 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 whatever it is the place they live. He wants to go to college. Yes, but the main obstacle is what to do with his relationship. Yeah. And that, that and that's his real problem. Uh, Richard Dreyfus, on the other hand, he's he, his problem is he's not sure if he wants to go. I, I think basically, the way I saw it, he's afraid of failure. Yeah, well, other characters also keep telling him what he should do, too. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I think at one point he's at, like, the dance. Yeah, and, and he sees that guy who tried, to go, who tried to go to college. Yeah, and he tries to tell him, hey, what are you doing? You should, you know... Go out there and see the world. And I, I remember that moment because he then, Richard Dreyfus watches this guy like go off with like this other girl yeah. somewhere and it feels a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Just the one creepy moment. There's a lot in this movie that I found really funny watching it again. Like What? Uh, which 
Go ahead. I don't know. Stuff with uh, a, a lot of the movies very one, funny. One funny thing that pops up is there's this one character. I don't remember his name because he's not Paul Lamont. Yeah, who drives around in this yeah, yellow well, car. He, well, what happens and he picks, is and he picks up this young girl like kind of by accident. Well, no, well, and he's trying to constantly he, get rid of her. Well, what happens is he pulls up next to this car with all these girls. He's like, "Hey, want, hey, why don't you come into my car?" And the girl's like, "No, no." But my sister's in the back, and the guy's like, "Hey, sister, mother, cousin, whatever." Yeah. And it's, you know, the girl comes in. She's like. 14 maybe yeah. she's much younger and so he spends most of the movie with this girl in the Try car to get rid of her and you know yeah and, and basically two at one point it, uh she gets hit with like a water balloon yeah but the thing that i love about that is the part where harrison ford comes up and yeah. he he wants to he wants to drag race and the and he and both of the characters are trading insults and finally the girl says your car is even uglier than i am <laughs> And then yeah. there's this great look on Harrison Ford's face where he's just frowning and knitting his brow, like, <laughs> trying to process the insult. I'm like, wait, is that bad? Is that good? And everyone stops talking because, you know, everything... That, that didn't come out right. Yeah. <laughs> How... It's kind of weird. Ba- Harrison Ford shows up for, like, just a few scenes, but I found he was so badass. Oh, yeah. He's... I mean, he's perfectly charming. He's, he's Han Solo, like, before Han Solo. And he has that giant hat... Yes, that that cowboy hat. <laughs> um, and he has to get pulled out of the burning wreck at the end of the movie. Yeah, like, you know why George Lucas called like called him up to help do the script readings for Star Wars? Yeah, because of American. Graffiti. And then once he got involved a little bit, it's like, okay, you're on. Go yeah, ahead. that was the story. <laughs> why? You know, it's surprising that it took George Lucas to figure that out that, for that long. Like you would think. After working with him in American Graffiti, it's just like, okay, he's my Han Solo, but. Eh. Original, well, you know, hey, it all turned out okay in the end. I mean, we could have, hey, I mean, we could be could have been uni- could have been Kurt Russell. It could have been Christopher Walken. Yeah. Ha. Huh. <laughs> you don't know Chewy. about the Millennium Falcon, do you? <laughs> that's that's not bad. Um, oh, you got another impression in there. Good job. I I tried, but um, I don't know. I I went watching this again. I actually liked it even more than when I had seen it. It'd been a while since I'd seen it. It used to play a lot on TV, and I would catch little snippets of it, which is kind of a good way to do it because, you know, the movie goes between these four characters, and you're really following their stories. It's not really about, like, a central plot. No. It's more about, what are these guys doing over this night? What kind of mishaps are they getting into? What might they be learning or not learning about themselves? Yeah, and that's the part where what really reminds me of Clerks. Clerks is not about one one plot happening it's about a series of mishaps i think clerks has a little bit more of a central character well it does have it yeah you have two main characters but it's also but clerks is also about relationships it's about uh think it's about figuring out your future Mm. and uh and oh and all over the course of basically just this one day yeah And, and all sorts of little mishaps and things happen over over the course of that it's more focused than than American Graffiti, but uh, American Graffiti is more colorful, basically, just because of its music and of and of its setting. Another film that uh, excuse me that this reminds me of, and I think took even more as a direct influence. And I'm guessing you haven't seen it. Is Days Confused? No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, that one is also that's one in 1976. That's where it's set, and that also follows a group of people over one night i don't think that i think that's even looser of a movie um i mean uh but 
let me ask you this. So, do you have a favorite scene? I think my favorite scene is... Give me a moment. Does it involve, like, because uh, cause for All right, me... I know my favorite scene. My favorite scene comes at the end. Richard Dreyfus, he's been... Earlier in the movie, he sees this woman in I think I know the scene car, you're talking about. And he's just like, oh, I've got to meet this woman. Yeah, that's and, her, that's and she his, pops up late over and over again. That's his main... That's kind of his main sort of drive through the movie. It's like, I want to see this girl. Right, he's unsure about everything else in his life, but he, says, but he definitely wants to see this woman. And at the end, thanks to Wolfman Jack, he gets in touch with her. And she she calls him on the phone. Yes. And he asks, I says, who are you? What what's your name? And she, and she doesn't say what her name is. She says, you can see me anytime I cruise Main Street. And and he tries to find out more, but she doesn't give him anything. And then she hangs up, and and that's it. He's left with that memory. And it's such a great it's it such is. a great tease. <laughs> yes, it is. He uh... and that's Suzanne Somers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And she, and she looks beautiful. And you know, when we see her, we're just like, oh man, she, you know, she stands out from everybody in the film. And the, you, you hear like rumors about her, like, oh, she she's a prostitute or she's a married woman. Why yeah. is she cruising cruising the strip all by herself every night? And there's so much mystery about her. And then finally, when there's the confrontation. We get no more information, except it's so great to just finally talk to her. Yeah, he, the mystery is still there, but he gets just a little bit of what he was looking for. Yeah, and then he, he really, I, he gets that realization that, you know, that it, it isn't worth pursuing. Yeah. Um, he has interesting... What he's, what he's looking for is not there. Yeah, it's interesting with Richard Dreyfuss, too, because he spends a lot of the movie with, like, this group of, like... Hoodlums. The pharaohs. Yeah, the pharaohs. All because he was sitting on one of their cars, and so he has it to... It probably wasn't even one of their cars. <laughs> no, and he has to go and, like, you know, like, mess with, like, a cop car to try getting their good graces. Yeah. How that happens was made me laugh out loud. Yes. That was very funny to me. Yeah. I think most a lot of the stuff with... Uh, anything involving, like, awkward tension or humor made me laugh a lot <laughs> during this movie. Um... That moment, like, like when uh, what's his name is trying to get the liquor, and, well, he, that and he's underage, so he keeps trying to tell the story about how he left his ID at home, and and everyone else is just like, yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard that one before. Yeah, um, but also when like they're, the the uh, Ron Howard and uh, I forget the other actress's name, but they're at the dance. And they're arguing with each other really fiercely, but then they're called on to uh, to have like the main dance, and you yeah. just see them like, oh, and then they put on like these plastic smiles. Yeah. To... Oh, and then later during the same dance, like the principal comes up. Oh, to <laughs> pull them apart. Yeah, and then he's like, and you know, he's all like, right, you're suspended. It's like I graduated last. Year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like, yeah. Howard. <laughs> so, can you imagine a world where? George Lucas kept on making more movies like this. I don't know. Man, because, I mean... He could have. He could have yeah, made anything after him. Star Wars. Yeah, he really could have, and he but, kind of chose the easy route of, you know... Just... I, not that I can say I can blame him. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he, he struck gold. He did. And, you know, do you go out and look for the next gold strike? Yeah, I mean, you it's know? interesting, because American Graffiti was looked at by the studio as... 
like they put it on the shelf for six months. They thought like we don't know what to do with this movie. You have like these four main characters. You don't really have any names, you know, maybe except for Ron Howard, and you know, it, yeah, Richard Dreyfuss wouldn't hit it big until like just yeah, before Jaws. It was only because of Francis Ford Coppola that the movie really got released. Yeah, and now there's a truck going by. In case you can hear that on our mics, um, and actually, so Amer- anyway, but American Graffiti became a huge hit, and that's why he got to do Star Wars. And then I remember this story about early on in Star Wars, like there's a cut scene from A New Hope, where like Luke is supposed to be like with all his friends in this kind of oh I, I might have bar heard thing, this. and it got cut because 20th Century Fox and all the people said it it just looks like American Graffiti in space. <laughs> Okay, I think we're out of time. Ah, oh, too bad. I'm right sorry about the other night. I, I reckon I'd done the wrong thing. Uh, see that rock, Alvin? You've been plowing around that rock a heap of years. Sure have. Did you ever think when you start plowing your fur is crooked, it's mighty hard to get them straight again? I never thought on it much. And it's that away, I reckon. With other things besides plowing. Satan's got you by the shirt tail, Elvin. Sure has. Head up north. He's going to yank you straight down to hell. You were plumb right, Pastor. You got to make him let loose before it's too late. I sure wish I knew it'd help. Wrestle him, Elvin. Wrestle him like you would a bar. And meanwhile, outside, I hear the trash compactor from Star Wars. There's a tentacle monster inside. <laughs> One thing's for sure, we're all going to get a lot thinner. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, so, but now we are going to talk about a movie that I watched. Yes, that I made him watch. He did, although I've actually, I had the tape of this movie for many years, and I just never, I don't know, I just never got around to watching you it. You decadent capitalist. I did. Okay, and let's get started. The movie is Jack... Sergeant York. Starring Gary... 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 Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper. Yes. Directed by Howard Hawks. Mr... Yes. Mr. The Professional Howard Hawks himself. Um, okay, so this movie is... Uh, well, first of all, like American Graffiti, we have another movie that uh, looks back in the past at a time that you could well, say is kind of a little bit more innocent... You could say, a little, you know, also set in like a part that's not. Well, it's made in 1941. Yeah, well, no, it was made in 1941, but set in 1916 through 1918. You could say. Yeah. Um, so again, like another movie that uh, I thought it would be good to pair up these two movies together in this way. Um, but in but Sergeant York, obviously a bit of a different movie than American Graffiti, in the sense, especially that. In the sense that it has one character. Well, and one centralized plot. character. Yeah. Well, Alvin York is our main character. When we see him at the start of the movie, he's kind of a bit of a rowdy guy. He interrupts like a church service with his buddies by just stomping around and shooting off guns. And, yeah. uh, you know, he interrupts a church scene. Um, you know, and this is set in a small town in Tennessee. Right. Or not even barely a town. It's like in the Appalachian Mountains, I think. It's in, like that. Yeah, it's up in the mountains. But the point is, is that um, York starts off. He's kind of almost an outlaw. He's drinking a lot. Yeah, he's just like a hellraiser. Yeah, he, he but, has a, he has a reputation for brawling, for drinking, yeah. and there's a great thing about that because his mother is at that church service and she doesn't react. 
She's uh, very she, gentle. Yeah, because she 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 and her family live up in the mountains, which it's yeah. really hard to make a living. And she says, as she says, my son works hard and maybe busts loose every once in a while, but he's little, got the a, right. A little religion wouldn't be no hurt, right. is what she kind of says to him. And at first, Alvin York, he doesn't really hear that. But he does start to think, hey, maybe I should do something with myself. So he decides, all right, I'm going to try and get my own plow land. Or what he calls, I think, bottom land. Bottom land. Yeah. Land down in the valley that's more fertile. That's right. Thank you. Um, and so the first half of the movie, which I found maybe the most fascinating part for me with the movie, just follows him as he's trying to get enough money to get this plow land. He's right. working a lot of... You know, hours doing, like, you know, hard labor. Digging out stumps, putting yeah. fence rails. And he also has a fancy for this uh, woman named Gracie, who's, uh, you know, and she, but this other guy who's kind of like the one jerk, yeah. you know, kind of has his eye on her, too. And there's this really good scene where Guy I, Cooper's trying to talk to her, and this other guy, I forget his name. Z Zeb. Zeb, thank you. He, um... He keeps interrupting Gary Cooper, yeah. and he just kind of looks at him and like keeps trying to talk to her. And there's a lot you can just feel like, all right, these guys are gonna fight yeah. pretty soon. That's a very like Hoxian scene to me. Um, yeah. But we see that Alvin just keeps trying to do it and do it, and then he finds out that there's gonna be like this turkey shoot competition. Right, he's uh, gonna he's gonna earn the rest of the money by doing this turkey shoot. Yeah, and uh, and he. Is a perfect shot. Yeah. He's, he's like the Robin Hood of turkey shooters. The Robin Hood of Tennessee. <laughs> yes. Um, but he, but alas, he doesn't get the bomb farm and he's all despondent. He gets back, you know, you think, oh no, is he going to go back to drinking? And he kind of does. Then this is where the movie takes a turn. And, you know, yeah, I mean, granted, earlier in the movie, he was told by the pastor, played by Walter Brennan, you know, you know, you got to. You know, wrestle Satan like a bear. Yeah, I love that line. By the way, <laughs> that's such a, you gotta wrestle Satan like a bear. Come on, right? Wow. And so he's out one night. It's really raining hard. Lightning strikes his gun, and he wanders into the church and suddenly is born again. Yeah, yeah. And it then lost we get you into there. More. No, it it didn't lose me, but it just felt like one of those, you know. Legend becomes fact. Print the legend scenes. Like I, I, I know this is based on. Well, Alvin I mean, York's the whole flight. point was he, like just before that, he doesn't get the land. That yeah, because and you know he's feeling really bad about it, and he goes drinking, and he says, "I'm gonna." He's he really basically the bomb says the he's gonna kill the guy who didn't sell. Him yeah, no, land. no, he does feel like all right. I'm and, gonna you know, take... he's drunk and he's riding through the rain and he fully intends to confront this guy. Yeah. and then his rifle gets struck by lightning and basically yeah. just blows apart. I think to me, it's just how fast he goes from not being a believer to oh my god, Lord Jesus is great. I'm gonna read the entire Bible and teach kids at Sunday school. It just seemed a little bit like rushed to me. Now here's the thing, though. Now it is a good because scene. that's the film. That's the middle of the film. Yes, but even though he, you know, he he, he finds religion, he still remains an interesting character because the second oh, yeah. half of the film has him wrestling with another problem. Well, he, you know, this is when World War One uh, America has to get into it, and there's a draft, and of course Alvin York says, you know, no, I can't do that. The Bible says. Thou shalt not kill. Right. I can't kill anybody. Um, but, you know, he... Uh, but then somebody tries to explain to him, 
Well, you know, yeah, your the Bible does say you're not supposed to kill. I know that. Like he has a talk with it's some military guy. The major. Who, yeah, the major the is unit. like he's a very seemingly reasonable type of character. Yeah, he and, says go uh, go think it over. Uh, you know, and if you and if you still feel that way, I'll I'll let you, you know, I'll I'll sign your like object conscientious yeah, well, objective yeah, conscientious papers. objective page. And he thinks for a while and then Yeah, and then he decides, "All right, I'll go do it, but you know. Well, we've gone through most of the plot here, so let's I, talk right, about sorry. Gary Cooper. The reason I had to talk about the plot is because, to me, this is really two movies. Yeah, like, that's what I this, thought, too. Going into this movie, you think that, like, you see the cover and you think, oh, this is a war movie about this hero. No, the, what makes it a good movie is that the first half is setting up this character. And setting up how... What I, really, what I liked about this movie is that he... It's, 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 he stays very simple. He has these very basic goals. I want my land. I want my woman. I, you know, I'm not. And yet Gary Cooper brings out the human side to him. Yeah. He won an Oscar for this role, and he is very good here. Despite, it's interesting, though, you could argue, and this was something that I thought, is he a little old to play this role? I don't think so. Like he, I, he, he's a thin guy. He's he's really good looking. He doesn't I, really show his age in this role. When I see him at the start of the film, it seems like a character who should be younger, like a young guy who, like you see the, he has like a brother and sister, and they're like thirty years younger than him. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but but again, it doesn't matter because Gary Cooper, I feel like, brings a lot of humility yeah. and a lot of real like empathy for this guy, and um, I, he's not. He's not playing dumb. No, it's... Uh, uh, Alvin York is a simple man, but he's not dumb. He knows right from wrong. Right. And so, you know, it's... And he has convictions, and he ha and everything. And, you know, Gary Cooper just does that really to, well. To he, me, I could have watched a whole movie... I wrote this down, that, like... I could have watched a whole movie about Alvin trying to make it as a farmer. Right. And, you know, how he becomes, like, a very pac pacified man... Um, but then, of course, again, yeah, he goes into war. But that, and then that's the setup for the second half of the movie. He becomes this passive man, and then when he gets drafted, he has to deal with the idea of killing people. And he does kill people. Oh, he kills people. Oh, God damn. He, he is. Uh, and, but then, but then the reason that he gets, like, all these medals and becomes a hero is because he, like, rounds up, like, tons of prisoners and, you know, walks with them and gets them over into, like, another passage and, and that's a true story no no i i know that yeah. part is true it's interesting the one part that felt a little chaotic was right before he you know takes the hill and you know start you know kills the people to get the prisoners right before that like i felt like the action was a little jumbled for me like the action moves really fast in that battle where like you know the americans are in the trenches and everything's going on right um I mean, but but you understand what's going on. Like they yeah. they get behind the Germans, but it it, it becomes a very uh, sure. Yeah, you know, it it's uh, what was I going to say? It's I guess for me, I forgot where Cooper was in the action of the first part. Okay, and but then when he finally does take charge, that is that is kind of cool. Um, I uh, yeah, it's. It's interesting because a lot of the characters, like a lot of the characters in this small Tennessee town, they're also very simple. You could almost criticize that they're maybe caricatures, some of them. Um, but I think that the actors that they got play it very well. Um, 
yeah. you, know, you believe what you're looking for. One thing I, one moment I liked, I don't know if this is my favorite scene, but it was something that stood out for me was uh, right as Alvin's leaving, and like I guess he's walking away from the house that he's in, and like the the son or daughter turns to the mother and they say, "What are we, what are they fighting for?" The mother's like, "I don't rightly know." Yeah, and they summed up and World it's... War One in one exchange. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's a great scene in the beginning when everyone's in the general store. It's like, oh, we got the paper, and he opens it, and he opens it up, and you see like front page, <laughs> Germans yes. attack Verdun, and they're like, oh look, the senator's up for re-election. Yeah, it's like it doesn't hit them at all, and it's until not even a joke. It's just like, oh, Germany, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting that this movie came and, out and it's, right before and it's so World great. War II, too. And, and it's so great because when the war does come, in terms of plot, it just blind it's a, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, these people are in the Tennessee boondocks. They aren't really connected so much to society. Like, when York goes into the army, he hears about a subway. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. A I, train underground? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, like he, when he gets all of his medals, he goes to the city. They ask him, "What do you want to do?" And he's like, "I want to ride the subway." Yeah. <laughs> There's a touch of him in a way you could say that is almost like Forrest Gump, but he's not that dumb. Well, Gary Cooper has always played these characters who have been—they're noble, these very noble, sincere people, like Lou Gehrig in, in, in *Pride of the Yankees*. Have you ever I've, seen that? I have not. All right, but what about like well, High Noon? In High Noon, yeah, of another movie list one for you. Yes, this is my second Gary Cooper Mr. movie. Mr. Deeds goes to, goes to town. He's always been sort of this simple man, you know, with with ideals. But he like, has a lot of conviction. Yeah, like that's why I think for me the first half of the movie was so interesting because we're seeing this man of conviction who is really going through some pretty basic stuff, and yet things that a lot of us, or hopefully some of us, can relate to, which is trying to get enough money to get something that you're actually passionate about. Yeah. Like, we see that he's finally passionate about something, and he's trying to meet that goal. You know, Right, what, and like, without him, even trying, he stops drinking and, and, ra- and you know, and brawling. The movie has a bit of, like... A, to, yeah, sorry, to interrupt to, you. Just because he's so focused on his goal. Yeah, it's... And, yeah. Also, and also, a lot of Gary Cooper roles are be about being swept up in something bigger than your understanding. Like in Mr. Deeds, he doesn't understand New York society, or in uh, or in High Noon, he he's he's like the entire town turns on him because they're too scared. Yeah, he and you know, in Sergeant York, he gets swept up in a war that he he doesn't even really have any stake in. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand it either. It's just yeah. this thing that's there, and yet. Also, too, by the end, he doesn't sell out either. Right. He, uh, although it's ironic, when I was sitting there, you know, they say, so, you know, we have the movie rights. And he's like, I don't know. And I thought to myself, hey, wait a minute. I'm watching the Alvin York story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to me, so watching the movie, I mean, I've seen a number of Howard Hawks movies. I don't know. Have you seen that many of his films aside I've seen from the this? thing. Well, yeah, and we'll be talking about that soon. But have you, like, a couple of the other ones to throw out there? Uh, His Girl Friday? Yeah, I've seen that. Okay, and Bring Up... Did we watch Bring Up Baby? We did. Movie Night? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and then he did a lot of westerns, Rio Bravo, Red River. Um, yeah, and this was actually the only time he was nominated, I think, for Best Director. Um, I wouldn't say this is one of my favorite films of his. Um, but there is a lot of good stuff here. Um, I think there's a lot of visual sophistication at times. 
there's this one shot I remember where Alvin, like, they just show, like, this hillside, and Alvin meets uh, Gracie on a hill. Yeah. I remember that shot was really nice. It's this really big silhouette. Yeah. Um, and, or uh, where he's sitting on the mountain thinking yeah. things over. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, I don't think, for me, the movie wasn't flawless. I Again, I thought he flipped a little too quickly into deep, like, evangelical Christianhood. He's not evangelical compared to Christians today, but he is very much like, well, what does the Bible say? It says this and this, and well, the I good book says... But I it, disagree with you on that, but that's... Uh, mm, you, you'd have to go through another viewing. All right, yeah, final thoughts on this film. Yeah, um... I think it does a good job of telling the what we call like the hero's journey movie, yeah. you know, because this guy does go through a journey. He starts at one place, and by the end, he winds up in a totally different place. Although, and he although he does more or less come back to where he started. Physically. He he basically does, and by his own choice, like he could have, you know, kept up the hero thing. But I felt like there was a good little bit of commentary there about you know what it means to be a hero in a personal sense and also the public sense. Um, maybe not for me, not a great action movie, but actually a good movie in the sense of its themes. All right, well there you go, uh, Sergeant York, an American graffiti. Yes, yes. and uh, of course for me, the first time I heard of uh, this move, this title was through Wayne's World, because of the exchange that okay, so you had two Darren Stevenses, Dick York and Dick Sergeant. <laughs> yeah, right. As if we wouldn't know this, but hold on, Dick York, Dick Sergeant, Sergeant York. That's yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <I'm laughs> yeah, that's that's how I first heard Sergeant York, because of a joke from Wayne's World. So if you have more to say about these two movies, please leave a comment on our pages. Yes, you know, we, we talked about two pretty big auteurs and uh, two of their most well-known movies. So let us know what you think. And, uh, and where can they do that, Jack? They can do that. On the uh, Facebook page, they can send us a message, and they can send us an email at wagesofcinema at gmail.com. And uh, um, also leave a comment on SoundCloud. We'll even check that out if you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we come back, let's talk a little bit about America. <laughs>